0: The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. We are taking a break from the book of John today, Um, and we are going to be tackling the um, the question. I, I gave Jordan the initial title of "Grateful or Grumpy," something like that, and I decided to to title this sermon: "Why is it so easy to be grumpy?" Um, to to honor the week of of Thanksgiving, and oftentimes what we see going on in our hearts maybe uh, throughout the year, and then we come to a Thanksgiving table, and and you know we get asked. So what are you thankful for? And we are just like, we are searching our heart and mind. And we're like, man, I had a really good like meatball sandwich last week, but I feel like something more significant happened in my life. <laughs> so, so why is oftentimes when we start sharing, uh, sometimes the grump comes out of us. So to start with, I, on the count of three, I want you each to make your grumpiest face. I'm going to give you permission. This is how we're going to start the sermon, okay? Don't worry. I'm the only one that can see you, and I won't be looking at you, okay? Ready? One, two, three. You guys look magnificent. <laughs> okay. Um, well, you guys look great, but I have I have a picture of of someone who you really didn't um, beat. This is uh, Grumpy Cat. Who whose net worth apparently is over a hundred million dollars? Uh, so I do not know why Grumpy Cat is so grumpy. Still, <laughs> um, have you ever been asked, "How are you doing?" and and the passive side of your your brain goes, "Fine, really, I'm fine, I'm great," and then the wild child side of your brain, the 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 one that you you know part of your brain you just can't you can't seem to ever pin down, you can't control, is like, just give it to them, right? Be real with them. And, then, and so you start by saying, well, I never do this, but I'm going to be honest with you. And, and what that looks like is, is then you proceed to gripe, right, for a significant period of time, and it feels so good. <laughs> it is like a release valve, and and I think what I compare it to is if you've got a mosquito bite, and and you get a mosquito bite and it it itches right, and and your mother has told you, don't itch the mosquito bite; it only gets worse. But it itches so bad, right? And so so when your mom's not looking, you you just the first littlest just and it gives you reprieve. Your mom's a liar, right? Because you, you feel great. And, and so you did the work, you're fine, and then all of a sudden, it starts itching more. And so you, you get the nail that's the sharpest, right? And you dig into it, thinking, this is going to stop it. And then blood starts flowing. Okay, we're gonna stop there. <laughs> um, but you know that but that's what happens. You 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 start itching and then it just itches worse. But that's the same thing when we when we let our grumpiness go and, and we think it's gonna feel so good, and for a moment it does. For a, a moment we think this solves something, but but does complaining ever actually satisfy you? Has it ever answered any questions? Has it ever gotten you to a better place? And just like the mosquito bite, we know it doesn't, and yet for some reason, we just keep doing it. Now, why do we complain? I think the answer to that is something that we just don't necessarily want to hear, and And the reason why we complain is because I think in complaining, we are discovering what is stored up inside of us. In Luke 6, it says this, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its fruit it says a good man brings good things out from the good stored up in his heart and the evil man brings the evil things that are stored up in his heart and this is the this is the end it says for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of the mouth speaks what the heart is full of and so so when it is so easy for us just to let go and it feels so good what you're discovering and and if, if this is you, what you're discovering is there, there are some things in your heart that when you, when you let the, the bucket go down deep into that well of your heart and it goes deeper and deeper and what is bringing up maybe is some things that you either didn't know was there or you thought were gone or you thought you didn't have to deal with or you thought was just okay. But you're discovering really what is in your heart. So the question is, what is coming out of your heart? That's the big question we're going to talk about this week. What is coming out of your heart? Is it good fruit? Is it gentleness, kindness? Is it words of affirmation for other people? Is it encouragement? Um, Is it truth? Truth spoken that can be hard, but also truth spoken in love? Or is it bad fruit? Is it cynicism and bitterness and criticism and crudeness and maliciousness and anger Grumpiness. (laughs) grumpiness <laughs> what what is coming out of you the big idea that that is going to circle everything that we we talk about is this that when Christ is your life then the life of Christ is what comes out of you when when Christ is your life then it is the life of Christ that comes out of you and we're going to we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture here today. Um, if you are new to the refuge, if you've been here a long time, you know that sometimes we we bite off a lot. Um, but part of it is I I like, like my friend who called me last night. I want you guys n- knowing that like, I, what's cool. Oftentimes, I'll meet people who start coming to the refuge, and they're like, "Do you go to the refuge too?" Like it's kind of like I feel like so, what's cool is sometimes the that we get so far into scripture that even the. The preacher and the preaching is just like over here. And what we want is for you just to, to leave being full of the word. And so um, what we're going to see is Paul in Philippians 1 and 2. And we're going to see his example and then his invitation to us. So the example of Paul, of, of having Christ in him and how Christ comes out of him. And then he invites us into that same experience. That when, when you just spill over onto other people, what you spill onto them is Jesus. Uh, so Paul's life, Philippians 1, uh, 1 through 8. Um, I, what I want to note before we get into this in looking at the life of Paul is um, it's important for you to know that this is the real Paul that you are listening to here. Paul gets a bad rap. Uh, if if you have read any like modern literature about Paul, people are haters of Paul, right? Like he's like he's misogynistic and he, he just hates people, and he's so mean. Um, I just, this is the real Paul, and Paul is, in the words of Hannah in pure sweetness. just Hannah here? She calls everyone pure sweetness. But it's true, pure sweetness, because look at this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, and watch him get into this. Like this is him getting real with you. This is what he says. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus So the first thing we find here is, if you're following along in your notes, that that Paul loves the Philippian people. And you see this first in this, that he is filled with joy and hope for them. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy... Because of the partnership in the gospel. And he says, in verse 6, he says here, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion. So when Paul thinks of these people, what it gives him is like the giggles; Like he's just so full of joy for them. Right? Literally, like, if this helps put it in perspective, I kept thinking, what would it, like would I ever write a letter like this? I, and maybe sometimes we get so used to reading the Bible that we're like, oh, yeah, that's Paul. That's what Paul does. But but literally, would you write down your like, when I think of you, I am just filled with joy. I'm so confident that, that God has done a good work in you, and I'm confident that He's going to carry that on to you. Like, I wish that came out of my pen. But so full of, of joy and confidence in them. And the second thing is this um, carrying on, uh, verse 7. It says, this gets kind of mushy. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Like I'm filled with joy and confidence. And he goes, and it's right that I feel this way because you're in my heart. It's amazing. And then he says, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, uh, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify and this is this is getting real right here. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul loves these people. And and when when you're like is it okay for for Paul for you to love these people so much? He's like, I don't know, but they're in my heart. Right? He, he's just like that, that's the way he explains it is that they're They are deeply buried within him. And and so he longs for them with all the affection of Christ Jesus. So he's filled with joy and hope for them. He's filled with affection for them. And the last thing, if we go on in verse 9, is he's, he's filled with specific prayers for them. And we see this, he says, And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus, the glory and praise of God. This is so good. So then, so he, he's just thrilled thinking about them. He loves them so much. And then he prays specifically for them things, that their love may abound, that they may have knowledge and insight, that they may discern what's best. And so he loves them and he's praying for them. This is what is coming out of Paul. Like he sits down and writes a letter like, if you got a letter from Paul, you would open it up and and you would just feel so cared for. That's what's coming out of him. Okay, Um, it might be easy then to assume that, that Paul is in some ivory tower sipping margaritas, virgin margaritas, don't worry, and and just writing a sweet letter. But but if you're following on your notes, know, the, the second point in the, the top there of his experience is Paul right now is in jail. Okay, and we see this in verse twelve he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel as a result has become clear through the whole oh, did we miss something? No. Uh, The whole palace guard to everyone else. Oh, there we go. That I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel with fear. So, So it's not that Paul can't relate with our trouble, and that's why he's not complaining. It's that Paul is in trouble right now. And while he is in trouble his response is joy and affection and specific prayers for these people. Confident that, that what has happened to him has happened to advance the gospel because he has committed his life fully to Jesus and whatever is happening, he is confident that Jesus is gonna work that together for the good of those that love God, right? He's in jail and this is his attitude. This is beautiful. And so the, the last point is this, that um, Paul's life is Christ, and that's why he has this attitude. So I'm just going to share one verse with you, uh, which helps us segue. Um, Philippians 1.21, Paul simply says this, and this shares his perspective that has completely changed his attitude that has allowed him to have joy even in the harder circumstances, and this is it. For to me, is so personal. To me, to live is Christ, and to die, uh, that was like fill in the blank right there. To die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That is Paul's perspective. You see, I think when my plans or your plans are interrupted, or when things don't go my way, or things don't go your way, I think we can sometimes be so easily jostled or moved, because if we were to fill in the blank, Daniel's life is, maybe it's it's not as clear, my name's Daniel, if you don't know, um, maybe it's not as clear, this, for to me, every moment of my day is Christ. And if I were to die, that would just be gain, because I'd be closer to him. Um, whatever happens to me, because I've so trusted myself to him, I believe will be to advance the gospel. And because of that, I'm going gonna, gonna to overflow onto people the goodness of God for me. So what Paul does there um, now is he invites us into that. And, and I want us to take the invitation seriously because it, it could be easy to think of Paul as like a superhero Christian, right? Like a mutant, like as he was given special abilities to be awesome um, <laughs> as a Christian. Um, some of us have, have very readily accepted mediocrity in our faith, I think, And so when we read Paul, we're like, man, good for you. Um, But as we find in Philippians 127, uh, which is here, Paul invites us and he says, Whatever happens now to you, not what happens to Paul, but now whatever happens to you, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens to you, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then he goes on to say this, right before chapter 2, he says, For it has been granted, and I want you to see in that word granted, gifted. It has been a gift to you on behalf of Christ, not to, only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggles you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And so what Paul is saying is, the gift God has given to me to be able to suffer and to struggle, is now a gift that's going to be given to you. It's the gift by which we begin sharing our gratitude for the gospel. It's, it's when we are pressed like a grape and outflows the juice. Like when we are pressed, we get the opportunity to, to express and, and send forth from us the love of Christ. This might be hard to think about um, in terms of our comfort, if that is the lens with which we want to experience the world. But before we go into Philippians 2, I I want you to just think briefly with this of what lessons have been learned from ease that have ever taken you places that are near to Christ, that are more radiant, that are more loving, caring. It is is through those times where you are pressed and you struggle and you have to go through suffering that all of a sudden something is produced in you that that even you marvel at. You look back and you go, look at what I've become. And Paul shows us how to do this. And, And so Philippians 2 is brilliant. Um, what I don't want to do is, you know, there's plenty of Thanksgiving sermons that you can listen to that will say, like, these three things, and then you're going to live happier. Um, we do have three points here, but the thing is, as we do these three, as we learn to live in these three things, um, I think what we'll discover, in in some ways, like, amazing ourselves, right? Being amazed ourselves, we'll see the life of Christ come out of us. And so the, the first thing that Paul invites us to in Philippians 2, um, in the invitation is to experience Jesus. To experience Jesus. Um, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and I want to highlight that word any, if you have ever, ever experienced encouragement being united with Christ, if you have ever had comfort from his love, if any ever common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion that make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Before we even go on from there, I want to tackle, there, there are five things that he shares here that... that are experiences of Jesus that he wants you to live into. And the first experience of Jesus he wants you to live into is the encouragement of from being united with Christ. And and I, I want to encourage you guys with these things to, to take time this week just to think about each one of these. So the first encouragement from being united with Christ. The word encouragement literally is the word paraclesis which i preached on 2 weeks ago when we talked about the holy spirit the paraclete who would come as the advocate and the comforter so what he's saying here literally is the presence of god if you have ever if you have ever experienced the presence of god that's what i want you to read in that therefore if you have ever experienced the presence of god have you ever experienced the presence of God and I I want you to if if it's not present if it's a past memory still I want you to think of that and I want you to hold on to that I want you to live from that don't move past that that was real have you ever experienced the presence of God because some of us are constantly going well I have nothing right now to be thankful for and God's like I have shown myself to you in such beautiful ways and you forget Have you ever experienced the presence of God? And the second thing is this. Do you have any comfort from his love? And the word is actually so similar to the word paraclesis, there. The word comfort, it's paramuthian, which is similar to the paraklete. But literally, if the first is presence, is a constant, the second is a process. So the first is... Um, have you ever experienced the presence of God? And the second, have you ever had comfort from his love? Have you ever grown in his love? Have you ever experienced him as we, with the paraclete? The paraclete was coming to what, walk alongside of you. Have you ever been in progress with God? Where He, he sees something in your life and you want him just to take care of it, but he doesn't just come down and take care of it, but he walks with you through it. Have you experienced that? That's the second experience that he's wanting you to have and to hold on to. Guys, we are so, I am, I am so bad at holding on to these things. But this is where Thanksgiving comes from. Not forgetting the presence of God and when he has come alongside of you and walked with you. The, the third is if any common sharing of his spirit. That word common sharing is literally Koinonia which means fellowship or community. And that is not just with God, that is with one another. Have you ever experienced the presence of other people who have experienced the presence of God and you share the Spirit together? And it is like, it is like amazing because they're speaking to you in, in Psalms, and spirit they're literally speaking to you the truth of God and all you're doing is like, yes. You see it, like you get it, you've experienced God too, and now you're talking to me about it, and I, I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, I'm in. And you have that moment where it's, it's fellowship. It's what we call fellowship, community, time together. That's the common sharing of the Spirit. Have you ever experienced that? Hold on to that, that was real. The third thing is this tenderness. The word tenderness here is amazing. It actually means bowels. If you look at at King James Version, it will say instead of tenderness and compassion, it will say bowels and mercy. And if you don't believe me, in Acts one, where it talks about Judas hanging himself and his bowels going everywhere, same word. Okay, <laughs> is that funny? Oh, in. In Philippians 1, which we just read, though, where Paul says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ. This is what he's saying. How I long for you with all the bowels of Jesus. <laughs> Same word. You don't think that's funny? That's hilarious. Um, so, but what he's saying here is that, It can also be translated tender mercy. But what he's saying here is, if your heart has ever been filled with a strong and unexplainable love. Have you ever been filled by a strong and unexplainable love? If your bowels. It's those things, you don't know what's going on, but something's going on. That has been your experience. Hold on to that. That was real. And the the final thing, the fifth thing is this, uh, compassion. And the word compassion here is uh, mercy, literally, which means that while all this is happening, while you've experienced the presence of God, he's been in in progress with you. You've shared that with the fellowship of the saints, that your heart has been filled with the love of God. And the third thing is this, that then you... Want to give that to other people. When you see other people and you you want to show compassion on them. The love God says filled you now wants to flow out of you to others. Have you ever experienced that? And you're like, wow, I was not that nice. Like, I'm not that nice, but I really want to love this person. That's compassion. If you've ever experienced any of these things. Live into that. It was real. And, and that is where, that is where the joy of Paul comes from because when he experienced that, and if you read the book of Acts, it's incredible. Three times in the book of Acts, three times it shares Paul's conversion story over and over and over again. And the reason why is because he never moved past that. When he experienced God, he didn't let go of that. Have you let go of when you first met God so he says, hold on to that and that transform us and make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interest of others. The second thing um, in in his invitation to us is to think like Jesus. And that starts in in verse five, where Paul says this, in your relationship to one another, have the same mindset as Christ. And so literally, share in the way Jesus thinks. And then he explains the way Jesus thinks. Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, seemed to be used to his own advantage. So the way Jesus thinks is, I've, I am so set. <laughs> Experienced the presence of God. Right? I've been I've walked with God, been filled by his love. <laughs> and and then so what do I do? Do I continue using that position to my own advantage? Or do I turn outward and think of how to love and care for other people? And what Jesus did was that. He, he didn't use to his own rather he made himself nothing and the and um the word literally is he emptied himself. He, Jesus emptied himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, becoming in human likeness, because he didn't feel the need to prove himself anymore. Right, And I think that's sometimes where our complaining comes from. They're like, if I feel this, I just need to let someone know. Right? I need you to know that I'm smiling, but I need you to know all my suffering. Right? Is that... Are, are we trying to prove ourselves and by... Those things that we say and the things that we share, or because we're so confident of the presence of God and God walking with us, being in that progress with us, the deep and satisfying love that we can then make ourselves nothing. And being found in appearances, a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient even to death on the cross. Um, I don't know if you ever feel stubborn. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Don't worry. Um, if you feel just stubborn, thank you, Joe. Joe had some just a moment of—I don't know—it might have been a spasm. But um, where where you know what God is calling you to, and it seems so good, and yet you are so stubbornly like you're wanting to prove yourself and wanting to put yourself first, and and you don't know how to stop that, right? And and it's the experience Jesus. Think like Jesus. And the, the third thing is this, and, and I know I'm going to go really long if I don't start wrapping up here. The, the third thing is this, so experience Jesus, think like Jesus, and the third thing is, is bow to Jesus. Because once this happened, if we move on to verse 9, this is what we see. That at the name of Jesus, therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I think this is what struck me most about um, preparing for this sermon this week was Um, what I would call the eternal vocation of heaven, right? (laughs) That that are you ready? Are you ready for heaven? Um, Being ready for heaven does not mean like, oh, I'm suffering so much right now, I just can't wait to stop suffering, right? Being ready for heaven means that what comes out of you is praise. Because heaven will be full of unabated unstoppable praise of King Jesus. There will be no complaining in heaven. And I know you think, well, when I'm there, I don't need to complain about anything. Like, like honestly, if I brought this heart to heaven, I would complain there, right? Like, like I, I need such a, well, I need such a change. I need such a transformation. I need to be that new creation, clothed, like, are you ready for heaven? And, and if, if what comes out of you is complaining, you're missing out on the heaven you can experience now by enjoying the presence of God. Right? Living into that walking with God in process. Living into those real experiences. Um, in Revelation 5, we see <clears throat> the lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center, surrounded by 24 elders, these heavenly creatures, and they sang, it says, a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seal because you were slain with your blood you purchased for God, persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. And then I heard a loud voice with my angels numbering thousands upon thousands, ten thousands times ten thousand, They encircled the throne, the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They said, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and praise and honor and glory and praise. When I heard on heaven and earth and under the earth and all the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and Elver, and everyone said, amen. Are you ready for that? Is your heart ready to worship? So I want to encourage you this week, take time to experience Jesus. If you didn't write down those five things, go back to to Philippians 2 and think through those things. Think like Jesus. Bow to Jesus and prepare your heart. So when they do the table roundabout on Thanksgiving and they say, what are you thankful for? <laughs> your heart's ready. And just use that as a launching pad to prepare for heaven. Pray with me. Oh God, we... We love you, and we see things in our. I see things in my heart that <laughs> a stubbornness, uh, holding on to self, wanting to prove myself, wanting people to know, wanting people to know, um, <laughs> uh, kind of. I guess the false front I put up, and God. I pray in your mercy that you will remind us in gentle ways by your spirit of the ways that we have experienced your presence. Have you so faithfully walked with us? Incredible times of fellowship with one another. The love that you filled us with. The love that's come from us for other people. God, be so glorified in our lives. We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.